name of the message today is Ten Prophecies of the Messiah. Ten Prophecies of the Messiah. Lord Jesus Christ is the prophet, priest, and king over the true Israel of God, which is the elect of God. The elect of God. And today we're going to look at some prophecies in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament. What I'm going to be doing to save us time, and I recommend you have a pencil and a pen to write down the New Testament fulfillments. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have us turn to the Old Testament and look at the prophecy And then I'm going to give us the address and I'm going to read the fulfillment in the New Testament. So if you have a pen, it would be good if you you want to write it down for further study. That's up to you. And we'll start our study in the book of Genesis. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Now, the scriptures proclaim... And here's the first prophecy of the Messiah, that Messiah would be born of a woman. Would be the seed of the woman. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. And above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So in other words, this seed of the woman is going to crush the serpent. But only bruise his humanity. And that's when he died for us. That's when he died for us, beloved. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy soul and thy corruption, or conception, sorry, in soul, and thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now the fulfillment of this prophecy which is in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 3, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The fulfillment of this is found in Matthew one twenty, where it says, but he, but well he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou Son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. She never laid with a man. He's saying she's still a virgin. She's not laid with a man. And that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Remember scripture says about about, uh, Christ that God has prepared a body for him? That's what that's all about. And because, because he's not of the seed of man, every one of us here are of the seed of man. 
So we inherit the nature that our father had. And our mother had. Which is fallen. Sinners. We, We are sinners and we produce sinners. My two kids are sinners from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. Just like I'm a sinner. Now I'm a safe sinner now. But I'm still a sinner from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And my kids, because they came from me, they're sinners too. But Christ is the seed of the woman. He's absolutely sinless because he's conceived of the Holy Spirit of God. Galatians also says this, but when the fullness of time was come, so at that perfect appointed time by God, See, God didn't go to plan B when the Israelites rejected Christ, no, and and Christ was born when the fullness of time had come. At the exact timing that God had purposed, Christ, it says, the scripture says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. He sent him from glory. Why? And it says, made of a woman. Not made of man. Made of a woman. The seed, see, this is a fulfillment of that prophecy. Made of a woman, made under the law, bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh, beloved. Why? To redeem them that were under the law. That's us. That's us. We were under the law. We were in bondage to the law. He's redeemed us, beloved. He purchased our souls out from under the law of God. So now the law of God has absolutely no claim on those in Christ. None at all. Why? Because he's the seed of the woman. He's perfect. He's sinless. He's spotless. See, this is why this prophecy is so important. Because it speaks of the sinless one. It speaks of the sinless one. The second prophecy that I'd like us to consider is in the book of Micah. The book of Micah. And here is brought forth the fact that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. He would be born in Bethlehem. And don't, don't take these, we're only going to look at ten. There's, there's a whole bunch more of these prophecies. And, and I've heard this said a long time ago that the, the chance, as the world says, of one man fulfilling all those prophecies, we know it's not by chance, we know it's by God's decree, is one to the power of a hundred zeros. That's like impossible for any of us. But he did, he fulfilled all these prophecies. And we're only going to look at ten. The list I was going off had forty, and then someone else said there's about three hundred of them. We don't got time to go through all 300. But oh my. So I picked 10 out here that we could look at. Look at this in, in Micah. And remember, this is before, way before the birth of Christ. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, among all the villages in Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. He's our king, isn't he? He rules spiritual Israel. He's our ruler. 
whose going forth, look at this, whose going forth have been from of old, from everlasting. He who is going to be born in Bethlehem is from everlasting. You know who he is? The Word of God, the second person of the Trinity. He can be born in Bethlehem. Now the fulfillment of this is brought forth in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 where it says, and I had Brother Travis read this, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he, where is he that is born king? See, Christ, he's born king. He was king in eternity. He's born king. And you know what? He's king right now, isn't he? In glory. There's never been a time when Christ has not been king. Never, never been a time when Christ is not king. And you know, Bethlehem in the Hebrew means house of bread. Think of that. House of bread. And here, he, he, here we have he who is the bread of life, born in a town called house of bread, which means house of bread in the Hebrew. Oh my, he's the bread of life to us, isn't he? He's the bread of life. And then in Matthew 2, verses 4 to 6, it says this, And when he had gathered all the chief priests, this is Herod, gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor. A ruler, a king, a king that shall rule my people Israel. He rules us, doesn't he? He rules we who are his people. And you know what? We gladly submit to that, to that, to that rule. There was a time when, when by nature we used to say, I'll not have this man rule over me, just like some in the scriptures did. But God changed us, didn't he? <laughs> we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God now we say Lord you're my king you're my king you're my only hope my oh my the third prophecy is Messiah would be born of a virgin turn if you would to Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 So he who is the seed of the woman will be born of a virgin. Isaiah 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Just like that song we heard. Emmanuel. God with us. Don't let this become commonplace, beloved. God with us. God in the flesh. The one who's from everlasting. Oh my. And the fulfillment of this prophecy, if you want to write this down, is found in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 25. It says, 
But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Now, now think of this. He never laid with his wife, and all of a sudden she's pregnant. So going through his mind is, there was something going on. But no. This angel says, no, do not put her away. She's still a virgin. Because the scripture says a virgin shall conceive, right? The prophecy for the Messiah being born was that he would be born of a virgin. And then he, he the, oh my, what, a, what an incredible statement this is by the angel of the Lord. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, with the scripture we just read, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. And you know what Joseph did then? He raised from sleep and did as the angel of the Lord said. <laughs> and took her unto him to be his wife. And knew her not. They didn't have relations until she brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Just like the angel said. My oh my. The next prophecy of the Messiah that I'd like us to consider is that Messiah would be heir to King David's throne. And that Messiah's throne would be everlasting. I like to look at this one because it's not as well known as some of the other ones. Turn, if you would, to 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 to 13. And this same theme is brought forth in Isaiah 9, 7, which says of the increase of his government, being Christ, the Messiah's government, and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform thee. That's Isaiah 9, 7. So it's brought forth then that Messiah would be heir to King David's throne and that Messiah's throne would be everlasting. It's never going to cease. It's never going to cease. Second Samuel 7, verses 12 and 13, it says, And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for thy name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Well, we know that's not talking about Solomon because Solomon died, didn't he? And his reign ended. No, this is talking about the Messiah. His reign will be forever. Forever. There'll be no, there, there'll be no decrease in his kingdom. No, no, no. And the fulfillment of this prophecy is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 32, and it says, And behold, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. 
the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And Christ came from the lineage of David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Forever. And as of his kingdom, there shall be no end. He's the king from everlasting. He's the king from eternity. He was king in glory, like I said. He was born king, and he's king right now. And his kingdom will be forever. Forever. My, oh, my. Next prophecy I'd like us to look at is that Messiah's throne will be anointed and eternal. It ties in a little bit with the last one. It's, let's turn, if you would, to Psalm 45. Psalm 45. <clears throat> and actually the same verses are used as I read for the fulfillment of this. So we'll read this first, and I'll just read the two verses from Luke 1, 30, 30, 32 and 33 again. Psalm 45, verses 5 to 7. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Look at that. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Oh my. But look at that. Thy throne, O God, is forever. So this is a prophecy that the Messiah's throne would be eternal. He's not abdicating his throne. No. I was thinking about this this week. Again, laying in bed, not much you can do, but just think. And I was thinking about how he is so absolutely in control. He's in control of everything. Every, there's, not a, there's not a maverick molecule in this world. There's not a molecule that's not under his control. And people think, as Brother Travis brought forth last week, people think that God's waiting to save them. And he has to he has to let or he has to let the sinner he has to let the sinner make the first move. I'll tell you what. I used to believe that foolishness. I came out of all that stuff. So I speak as someone who has some experience with that stuff. And I'll tell you right now, I am saved by the grace of God in Christ, plus nothing, and it's God who saved me. I was so steeped in religion. I was such a workmonger. And God saved me. You know what God did, beloved? He set me free. He delivered me from the yoke of bondage. Salvation's only in him. This is why we say, sinner, flee to him. Flee to him. Because all we are, is we who are saved, are sinners who fled to him and are still fleeing to him, right? 
still clinging to them. I heard a story. I mentioned I listened to an audio book by Spurgeon, and this was this was phenomenal. He was talking about what it means to cling to Christ, <clears throat> and I thought this was one of the, just an excellent illustration. He said, "Imagine a little girl; she's caught in a fire, and she's crying out for help. And in rushes a fireman. Them firemen are brave, aren't they? In rushes a fireman right into the flames." And he picks that little girl up, and that little girl, she just clings to him. She just clings to him, just holding on, just clinging. And he he takes her out of the fire to safety. That's what Christ done for us. And we're still clinging, aren't we? We're still clinging to our Savior. We're still holding on by God's grace. He rescued us, beloved. He, he rescued us. Now, we know the wrath of God in hell, but he rescued us from our sins. And he delivered us from the wrath of God. How can we not say anything but hallelujah? What a Savior. <laughs> and now we tell folks, flee to Christ. He rescued me. He can rescue you. He can save to the uttermost those who come to him. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to flee to Christ. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow might not come. My. And God's people say amen because that's, that's what we've done. And now we're still clinging to him like that little girl. Hey, clinging to that fireman. Oh my. You rescued me. And again, the fulfillment of that prophecy there in 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 Psalm forty five is found again in Luke one thirty two and thirty three, which says he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. In the kingdom, there shall be no end. Do you know what? Since there's no end in his kingdom, there's no end for salvation for us in him. Because our salvation's holy in him, right? In Emmanuel, God with us. He's my hope. He's everything. Emmanuel saved my soul. And he can save all who flee to him. Oh, may God give you grace to run to Christ. May he draw you with cords of love. And then in Hebrews it says this. It says this about Christ. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hand. They shall perish, but thou remainest. See, this world is going to perish. You've heard me often say, everything in this world, everything we see, is temporary. But Christ is forever. Of his kingdom, there be no end. 
And those who are saved and safe and secure in Christ shall be with him forever. All because of the mercy and grace of God. So we praise God that Messiah's kingdom is an eternal kingdom. That it's everlasting. Next prophecy I'd like us to look at about the Messiah is what we heard in the psalm. Messiah would be called Emmanuel. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah 7, 14. Emmanuel. Don't let this become commonplace. Emmanuel. God with us. God incarnate in the flesh. Bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. You see, God can't die, can he? So what does God do? He becomes a man. That he might die in our room and place, beloved. Brother Henry bought that forth one time in a sermon. I bet fell over. I was awesome. God can't die. He's a spirit. So he becomes a man. The second person of the Trinity becomes a man. That he might redeem us from our sins. That he might deliver us. That he might ransom our eternal souls, beloved. Emmanuel did that. God himself did that. And look at the spot forth here that he would do that. Look at this, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. This is a sign from God. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. How can he be called Emmanuel? Because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit of God. This is no ordinary man. Uh, Yet he's bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. He hungers, he thirsts, he gets tired. But yet in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. This is God in the flesh. Could you imagine? He made everything. He holds everything together. And he humbled himself and became a man to redeem us, beloved, to save us from our sins, to deliver us from our sins, to ransom us with his precious blood. He did that. No love in the world matches that, does it? doesn't even come close to that love. And he did that because he loves us. He loves us. My. And then the fulfillment of this prophecy is brought forth again in Matthew one twenty one, where it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold a virgin. She's a virgin. Christ is born of a virgin. We know that because it said Joseph didn't lay with her until after the birth of Christ. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. God with us. Bone of our bone and, and flesh of our flesh, beloved. God. Why? Why? Great is the mystery of godliness, right? Why? Why did he, God become man? To save us from our sins, beloved. That's the whole reason. And he's driven by eternal love. 
for his bride. That's what drives him to come here. Because of his great love for his people. Now, I love my wife and she loves me, but our love is nothing compared to how God loves us. Imagine, think about how much we love, we love our brides. How much, how much do we love each other? It's, it's incredible. Yet it doesn't even come close to the love that Christ has for his people. Doesn't even hold a candle to it. My. Timothy, Paul wrote this to Timothy. He said, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world by God-given faith. We believe and received up the glory. That's where he is right now. Oh, my. Next prophecy I'd like us to consider is Messiah would be declared the Son of God. Turn to Psalm chapter 2, if you would. Psalm chapter 2. We're on number 7, so we're getting close to the end here. Psalm chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Oh my, Messiah would be declared the Son of God. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill, verse 6. Look at verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, capitalized. This day have I begotten thee. He's... Messiah is going to be declared to be the Son of God. Over in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3, verses 14 to 7, or 13 to 17, the scriptures declare this. And remember, as we read this, he's declared, he, the Messiah will be declared to be the Son of God. Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbid him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and thou comest to me. And Jesus answered, answering, and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. He has to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Remember, he's weaving the code of righteousness which we, which we are clothed in, in his life. It says, then he, John baptized him, then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and lo, the heavens opened, were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Now here's the declaration. Remember, Messiah would be declared to be the Son of God? Verse 17 of John chapter th- or Matthew chapter 3. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God declares him to be his son. And you know what? If God's pleased with Christ, then he's pleased with all who are in Christ. Oh, that's good news for sinners, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, that's good news. Okay, the next prophecy I'd like us to consider is that Messiah would bring light to Zebulon in the land of Nephi. Turn, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Scripture declares, Isaiah 9, verses 1 and 2, Nevertheless, the dimness shall 
Not be such as was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphi, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has upon them hath the light shined. So Messiah would bring light to Zebulon in the fire. Now the fulfillment of this is over in Matthew chapter 4, where the scriptures declare that Christ was a light in Zebulon, in the fire. Matthew 4, verses 12 to 17, I'll read it for context. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulon and Nephilim that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah, that scripture we just read, the prophet saying, the land of Zebulon and the land of Nephilim by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness. Now that's our natural state. See, our natural state is darkness. The people that sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. Notice that it says, sat in the region and shadow of death. That's the state we're in naturally. Light has sprung up. The light of the world. He's there. The Lord Jesus Christ. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. My, the ninth prophecy I'd like us to consider is that Messiah would be a sacrifice for sin. Turn to Isaiah chapter 53, if you would. Messiah would be a sacrifice for sin. Now remember, Messiah is born, we know, of a virgin. He's sinless. And we know from Matthew who he died for. The scripture says he came to save his people from their sins. So this is a prophecy of the great substitute, that Messiah would be a substitute for his people. He'd be a substitute. He'd be a sacrifice for sin. Isaiah 53, verses 5 to 12. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Put your name in there if you're one of God's elect. He was wounded for Wayne Boyd's transgressions. He was bruised for Wayne Boyd's iniquities. The chastisement of my peace, my, of our peace, my peace, the peace I have with God was upon him. And with his stripes we're healed. Beloved, we're healed. We're set free. We're delivered from our sins. All we like sheep have gone astray. There's our natural state. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. All our sins, past, present, in future, laid on Christ at Calvary's cross. Now, all our sins were future when Christ died on Calvary's cross. But all those saints who came before, all their sins was laid on Christ too. All the sins of all the elect laid upon Christ. Now, we have no idea, as I mentioned in Sunday school, we have absolutely no idea who God's elect are. Therefore, we preach the gospel and, and, and tell all, come to Christ, flee to Christ. He's the only hope. He's the only hope. And I look at this as one of God's people. I marvel. 
Because I went astray. I was, oh my. And if it wasn't for God's grace, I'd still be astray. I'll tell you that. Turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted in our place, beloved. Yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. He died on Calvary's cross. For the transgression, look at this, of my people was he stricken. God says here he has a people. Christ died for my people, he says. Oh, my. The Messiah is going to die for his people, for God's people. My. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, and he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Oh, he saved. He, at Calvary's cross, when he died, he redeemed a number that no man, you can't number the number of God's people. That's why we pray as the gospel goes out, right? Lord, use it for your glory. Dry in your lost sheep, wherever they be. Wherever they be. My. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased God to bruise Christ in our place. Why? That we might be redeemed, beloved. That we might be saved. That we might not perish in our sins. We had no way to save ourselves, so Christ comes down to this world. Thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. And it has. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. There it is. Substitution and satisfaction. The heart of the gospel, beloved. Christ died as our substitute. And God is absolutely satisfied with that sacrifice. Oh, this is why we must preach Christ in him alone. He's, he's the only one who can satisfy God. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Oh my. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and shall divide a spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Aren't you glad he made intercession for you as one of God's people? I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm be eternally thankful. And the glad news of the gospel is that Christ died. Christ shed his precious blood to redeem his people from their sins. And he died for the ungodly. Now the fulfillment of this is brought forth in Romans chapter 5. The fact that he died for the ungodly, that's what scripture calls us in our natural state, the ungodly. Tell someone who says they're good next time, say, no, you're ungodly. Oh, man. Right? I was talking to a guy who professes to be a Christian yesterday, and this guy would say, oh, man, all these people are... These people profess Christ and they're just such sinners. They're just, 
They were just such sinners. And I said, well, I'm just a saved sinner. Yeah, but, you know, we need to struggle. Yeah, we do fight against sin all the time. And I said, I hate my own sin more than anybody else's sin. But you get someone who thinks they're holier than thou, you know there's trouble there. You know something? I, read, I, was, I was looking in a book this week by a fellow who sat under Spurgeon. He bought out an amazing book. He was talking about how Satan tempts us outwardly. Now, our flesh is the worst because we... You know what he said? And this just struck me. He said, even if there was no Satan, we'd still be as, as sinful as we are right now. The only thing we wouldn't have is outward temptations. We'd still be as sinful as we are right now. Oh my. I'll tell you. Praise God for salvation. It says this in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He died for me. That's, I'm one of them fellows. Oh my. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood. Justified. Made fit for heaven. Able to stand in the presence of the God. Able to go to the Lord in prayer. To approach the throne of grace. In Christ, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom now we have received the atonement. Oh, we have peace with God now. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, through the Messiah through the promised one who would die in the place of his people. The last prophecy I'd like us to consider is that the Messiah would resurrect from the dead. He'd resurrect from the dead. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 16. And I'll read Psalm 49:15, which says, God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. So it's spoken of the Messiah that God, God raised him from the dead. He shall redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Look at this in Psalm 16.10, speaking of the Messiah. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One. And we know who the Holy One is, right? You know, them demons knew who he was. Remember the demons said, we know who you are, thou Holy One of God. Oh, they know who he was. They were speaking to Christ. He says here, Holy one to see corruption. He won't see corruption. He's going to die, but he's not going to see corruption. You know why? You know why death couldn't hold on to Christ? Because he's sinless. Couldn't hold. Had no claim. No claim on. He's he's sinless at his birth. He's sinless in his life. He offers himself up without spot. He's sinless when he's offering himself up on the cross. And beloved, he's sinless when he raises from the grave. (laughs) Oh, it's wonderful. 
the prophet, this prophecy was, behold, was fulfilled when the scripture says in Matthew 28, verses uh, 2 to 7, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye. Look at that. Don't be afraid. Isn't that what God says to us in Christ? Fear not. It's like David said to Mephibosheth, Fear not. Fear not. Mephibosheth says, Why you have mercy on a dead dog like me? That's what we say, eh? <laughs> oh, and the Lord says, Fear not. Fear not. I made a covenant with Christ before the foundation of the world. Fear not, beloved. Fear not. My wrath is appeased. It's satisfied. Fear not, beloved of God. The angel said, Fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He's not here. He's not here. <laughs> Remember we saw in Psalms that the Messiah, the Messiah would be raised from the dead. Angel said, he's not here. He's risen. As, as he said, come and see the place where our Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and behold, he goeth forth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. So let we who are the redeemed of the Lord rejoice that our Lord was bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. He's the Messiah. He's the promised one. And like I said, this is just ten prophecies. There's many, many more about the Messiah. And let us, let us rejoice as God's people that he who is the redeemer of our souls is Emmanuel. We can tell people that God saved me. I didn't deserve it. I got no merit in me. God saved me. And every believer can say that. Emmanuel saved me. So, we of all people, as I said, rejoice in the birth of Christ, but how much more now, this season, should we rejoice as believers, eh? God saved us. I know we rejoice all the time, but, but let us tell others, God saved me. I don't care if they think I'm crazy. Go ahead, think I'm crazy. I don't care. I don't care at all. God saved my soul. He's the one who did it. Hallelujah. <laughs> all my friends say, Boyd, what happened to you, man? What happened to you? The Lord saved me. Lord save me. Praise his name. I found out that Lord Jesus Christ died in my room and place 2,000 years ago. And ever since I found that out, ever since the Lord revealed himself to me, I've been rejoicing. Is it so for you? Rejoice. As we sang in the song, rejoice, beloved. Emmanuel has come, hasn't he? He has come. And you know what? He redeemed us from our sins. Praise his mighty name. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. As the hymn writer wrote, Hallelujah. 